and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Dreamcasters, I am so excited to personally invite you to my first live event of 2019. Save the date for Dream Space. January 13th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You are invited. I would love to have you join us. Not only will you hear from myself and other special guests, but you'll have space, space to dream, space to heal, space to break through your own personal glass ceiling, connect with what it is you truly want most, connect with your life's purpose, and then create an inspired action plan so you can start taking steps in that direction. We're going to end the night with a come-as-you-will-be party. This means that we're pretending like it is the year 2024 and coming dressed as the person that you want to be in five years. Oh my gosh, we're going to have lots of talk time to help you prepare for this event, but I know that this full-day workshop experience is going to be life-changing for you, and I want you there. Space is limited, and it will sell out. So go to dreamlifetoolkit.com to get your dream space ticket today. Big welcome back to the Dreamcast. In our next interview, you'll find our guest is a professional DJ, music producer, entrepreneur, and a thought leader based in Los Angeles. He is a student of music and has learned the microphone at a very young age, and his musical knowledge spans decades and across multiple genres. Initially, he put his musical career on pause. Like so many of us do, we put our dreams on hold to pursue a traditional career path in corporate America. And after moving to various cities, working his way up the corporate ladder in the hotel industry, he decided to pursue his dream of becoming a DJ. So he went back to work. In June of 2013, he graduated from the internationally renowned Scratch Academy DJ School, which is basically a premier DJ college, right? And it elevated his skills in an immense way. This allowed him to create his premium DJ agency, the Amani Experience. He then returned back to school and completed their musical production program. And over the past three years, he and his team have produced remixes for several artists, which we'll talk about later. He and his team of DJs specialize not only in weddings, private parties, events, but corporate meetings and team building seminars. He is rethinking corporate America as a space where interactive and experiential team building exercises can strengthen bonds and build trust and he uses music and creativity to do so. So big welcome to Amani Roberts to the Dreamcast. Thank you very much for having me. Great introduction. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm really glad to have you here because, man, you speak my language. I love team building. I love community. I love following your dreams. And you decided prior to going back into DJ school and, and really pursuing this to take a step away from it and pursue the traditional career. So tell me a little bit about why you chose to go into corporate America and then what you did there. Definitely. I chose going to corporate America because growing up, you know, we we're always taught that you kind of get your corporate job, you work for many, many years, you know, you have the 
you know, husband or wife with a white picket fence, 2.5 kids. And that was just what you did. You go and you retire, you get your gold watch and you're done. So I was under that perception as well as when I graduated from school, I was under the false impression that DJing was not a career. Like you couldn't make a career out of it. And I was wrong. And it took me a while to understand that. So that's pretty much why I started working in corporate America. I had an awesome career in the hotel industry across many cities in the United States, different positions, even like general manager of hotels, director of marketing of two or three hotels, regional director of sales and marketing. So I had a successful career, but it really wasn't something that I love, love towards the end. And then that kind of took me to the point when I said, it's time to make a change. Yeah. So did you, you live in LA now? Did you grow up in LA? I grew up in the Washington DC area. So I grew up there and went to school there. And when I graduated from Howard University, uh, my major was hospitality management with a concentration in finance. And then I moved to Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Miami, back to DC, and then out to LA. Okay. Yes. You've lived all over, all over. (laughs) Well, and I think so many of of us grew up with that kind of employee mindset. We weren't taught to take risks. We weren't taught to use our creativity. We weren't taught to think outside the box. I was taught the exact same thing. I mean, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was an accountant. So it was like, this is what you do. You go to school, you get a job, you, you know, X, Y, Z. But you found that even though you were doing what we were all taught, it wasn't satisfying anymore. No, no, it wasn't satisfying. Every city that I lived in, I would go and watch the DJs from that local city and just kind of go and find who, who they were, go to where they were playing, watch them, maybe take some notes and just slowly but surely get the courage to maybe do what they did. And once I got to L.A., then something about living in California with the entrepreneurial mindset, just with being close to Silicon Valley and people are more encouraged to pursue their dreams with the combination of the tech industry and then acting in all Hollywood. I kind of just got the, enough courage to, to try it out, go for it. So I started on the side and then took a major risk and left corporate America. I want to say it'll be seven years in January. And here we are, six and a half, almost seven years later. (laughs) Awesome. So you moved to LA initially for the hotel industry. Yes, they moved me out here to be a director of marketing at a hotel. And then I bounced to another hotel within the same company. But during the time I was out here, it was 2007. And we all remember what happened in like 2007, 2008 with the kind of mini uh, depression or whatever and the market crashed. So my job was eliminated two or three times. I was able to get rehired each time, but that kind of shook me up. And I was like, you know, I spent over 20 years putting all my eggs in one basket and it just, I just got really scared. So I said, you know what, when I reinvent myself and I'm going to make sure that I diversify my income stream so that I'm not totally dependent on just one company, one job, because I saw up close and in person how that could really set you behind the eight ball, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting. So many times we think that the our job is the end all be all and you know that it's less risky than owning our own business and pursuing our dreams when in fact that's not really true, is it? I mean, you can you lose your job at any time. They can outsource or decline or you know there's so many things that can happen. So Definitely. what I love is that you were in LA, you were working at the hotel, but yet you started to see dreamers that maybe you hadn't quite seen before. You were immersed in a different type of culture of people who do pursue their dreams. And how did that start to give you that courage? 
just from witnessing other people's stories and seeing how maybe one year they said, okay, I'm going to start this and do it on the side. And then, you know, I was friends with them. I'd watch and then they make slow progress, slowly but surely. Two and three years later, they were able to maybe leave their jobs. They were able to maybe go on tour with the artists or release their book or just do different things. So they were making progress. And that gave me inspiration and gave me the confidence that says, you know, if they're my peers and they can do it, then I could definitely follow the roadmap that they left and have some success as well. Now, it definitely wasn't easy for any of them. So I was able to kind of go into it knowing there would be some ups and some downs and just really be prepared and just be smart enough to have a couple of things to, to have kind of in your back pocket that you can do if you hit a downturn or whatever. So it was just really inspiring and it really helped to give me practical experience and just see people do it, you know, because if you see someone do it, that makes you, lets you believe it. And if you believe it, then it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because we always say you cannot be what you cannot see. So when you are in a new kind of cultural space where people are pursuing their dreams and whether they're starting as a side hustle and they're building it on the side, well, they've got some other streams of income too. It started to plant those seeds in you like, okay, this is something that I can do. Now, when did you realize that DJs can really make money? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I think I started to see it when I was in DC for my second time. And I had a close friend of mine who I went to high school with who had started a DJ business back in high school. And he still had his business, Curtis Cross, and it was doing well and he was growing. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And he went from restaurants to bars to clubs to then doing corporate events and social events. That was the first one. Then when I got to LA and I started to see that, you know, there was a school like Scratch LA. So you could actually, you become a teacher and teach people while you also had your gigs and go there. And that was the second clue. And really the confirmation for me was maybe the first time I attended Scratch Academy and I was able to meet the professors, the director of the program, hear their stories, how they got into DJing, how long they had been a DJ, whether they had started in radio or they had started in events and then their just their progress and how their careers had grown. I was like, okay, this is legit. And so even when I started DJing, Four years before I went to Scratch, I had an idea that it could work, but that was that was the final quote unquote like nail in the coffin where I said, yes, this can work and I need to kind of run after this. Yeah. You know, you put yourself in a place where you are around people who are successful doing what you do and it grows those brain cells where you're like, <laughs> okay, I can do it too. And this could be for real. And, and some of those fears that held you back dissipate because the dream starts to get bigger. So yeah. what I can't imagine that it was easy. Like you mentioned, nothing good ever is. <laughs> if it's something worth it, that's never a straight line. So tell me a few of the aha moments or challenges you overcame. I think, you know, the biggest one that comes to mind is when I was attending Scratch Academy, that's a school where you have to pass exams and tests to proceed to the next class. And so you're working away. It's about a year program, intense eight week classes. And so when you get to the final part of the class, it's like you have to do performances each class in front of your peers. It's called swapping out where you go from one DJ's playing to the next DJ's playing. You have to switch out computers, but there can be no stop in the music. It's very stressful. It's very relative. And when I say it's relative, I mean that you could do very well one week and the next week you could either just have an off day, whether your mixing is off or you 
you kind of, you do the swap out and you don't have any music. It's just issues. So it was very stressful, very intense. You go through the whole class and you're supposed to get 320 points out of all your exams to pass. And the first time I went through the final class, 505, I had 318 points, which means I was two points from passing and they would not pass me. And that, I always, I know, I always talk about this because that was a crucial time in my career, because I could have taken my ball and gone home and just said, forget it and not taking the class again. But I decided to really kind of swallow my pride, repeat the class again. And like I was saying, there's no guarantee that you would pass again. Many people don't pass the funnel class three or four times in a row because it's all relative. One Things can happen when you're performing. But I was able to go through, pass it the second time, thankfully, one of the highest scores ever. But that was a crucial time point because that was a low. I decided not to give up. I decided to keep going. And because of that fact, I always say that it allows me to always keep my feet on the ground. One of my instructors there said, you know, no matter what kind of success you have, always keep your feet on the ground and stay humble. And that was a humbling experience, but it keeps me hungry even till today. So that's one of the ones that comes to mind right away. Absolutely. I think sometimes when we have an experience like that, we're like, oh, I guess this means I shouldn't do it. I guess this is a sign or we like give it too much power, right? Was there anything specific you did during that decision time or did you immediately know, all right, doing it again? That's ironic. I remember that day I I went out to dinner with some of my friends and I was telling them what happened. And even some of my friends who, you know, expect to support you, they were like, Maybe, you know, maybe you should just not, if it was me, I would do it again or whatever. They were just kind of talking, but I just came home, kind of collected my thoughts. And I really, you know, I had some close peers with me at the school. Some of us who had passed it were in the same class and had passed, some hadn't. And I was like, you know, like just, just, you know, I had some really encouraging words. Just keep going. Try again. I had one of the instructors there say, why don't you take some private lessons so we can kind of rebuild your skills? Ironically, that instructor now become, I take music theory classes with him now. He's like my remix partner. So I was able to go back and kind of relearn some skills that I was missing. And it was just really transformative. So, you know, within me, my dad always used to tell me I was very resilient, even younger, playing soccer. And, you know, you'd lose in a state championship game many years in a row. So I had a little bit of resilience built up in me. So I was able to tap into that. And also with my peers in the school and just say, you know what, let's just try it one more time. See what happens. You're so close to me. Two points. I mean, seriously. So just try it one more time. See what happens. Be open to feedback even more. Because as you know, it's hard for feedback, especially when you're a high achiever, you know, state, all state soccer player and, and general manager of a hotel at a young age. You're used to being, you know, the star. So this was really humbling. But just the fact that I had some strong people around me and I had some resilience built up, I was able to tap into it and try it again. <laughs> I love that you said feedback because feedback can help us grow if we allow it. You know, and so you did. You allowed it to grow by doubling down on some of the skills that maybe you weren't super excelling at at that time. And it ended up paying off down the road, being able to partner with your teacher and, and pass with flying colors. So super cool. Anything else that comes to mind when you think about your, the beginnings of your DJ career? You know, another thing that comes to mind is just in the music industry, really in the creative industry, and I'm sure you can relate to this, like your income, it's not a straight line compared to like, you know, when you're in corporate America, you pretty much have a set amount of money that's going to be deposited to your bank account each, every two weeks. You might get a nice bonus on January and July, two times a year. But when you're creative, 
your income kind of goes up and down. And that was an adjustment for me. That was huge because coming from where I'm used to, you know, same thing, it's like one month you could have an amazing month. So you are under the false impression that your next month is going to be just as amazing. And it's not. And I think that that was also a really big adjustment where your income levels will fluctuate, it'll go up and down. But then when you look up at the end of the year, you're like, wow, I actually made more than I would have expected and more than I did in corporate America, you know, in a similar kind of year time frame. So that was also a huge learning. Even today, you know, you still learn about it now, like, you know, comparing maybe December to last year, two years before, it's just really different. You don't know where it's going to come from. So you got to have the faith that it will happen. As long as you've planted seeds years prior, these seeds will grow in the time period they're supposed to grow. So I think that was another huge learning. It's just your income level. It's not a straight line. It's up and down. And as long as you can get adjusted to that and expect that, then you, you'll be good. As long as you adjust your mindset, you'll be, you'll be good to go. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the stock market, right? You don't look at the day to day, you look at the long term view. You look at year to year, you have the you have your eyes open on the long game and you know yes. that it's going to take you in a direction you want to go and you stay the course on that. So it's seeing the marathon rather than yes. the sprint. And when you look yes. back, you can see just how far you've come. Yes, yes, you'd rather be a turtle than a hare in this race. Ooh, ooh, I love that. Okay, so one thing that I think is so cool about you is that not only did you pursue your dream career as a creative in the DJ music space, but then you brought it back to corporate America. And you said this type of experience can bring life back into corporate America and team building experiences. So why is it important for businesses to implement creativity in the workplace? It's important for businesses because they want to maximize the investment in their people. And so they want to keep their people, retain them for as long as possible. And as we know now, in the current uh, space of the workplace, you need to make sure that your employees are happy. You need to make sure that they're fully engaged, that they like and enjoy being around their coworkers. And if they are able to get to know them on a more personal level, that will increase retention, that will keep people there, that will maximize performance. So we'll bring it back and we'll do a little bit of a different twist on the team building activities compared to maybe when we were growing up and you might have like a circle, a sharing circle, or you go on a scavenger hunt or things like that, which are cool in the right time. What I decided to do is to bring a DJ lesson to the offices. It could be as small as three people, as big as 150 people, and we do a team building activity around it. It's, it's super fun. It's really different. Um, I'll give you an example of some of the things we do. So let's say if you were there and we're doing the team building activity, I'll put, and the first thing we decide is, so I'll say, Denise, we need to figure out what is your DJ name? And so I'll say, you think about your DJ name. It should reflect your personality. It should also, it could be your favorite movie character. It could be your first name and your last initial. And I'll give you some examples. Like one of my closest friends, she's a dentist. So her DJ name is DJ Flossie. I have another friend, one of my instructors from school. He's like a brown-skinned African-American man. His DJ name is Mr. Chalk because, you know, this chocolate-looking fella. And then other people, it's like Tina T, first name, last initial, you know, V Fresh. So it's just you could be as creative as you want to be. Um, and so, yeah, so Denise, I'm asking you, as you're thinking, as the examples <laughs> I'm giving, what kind of DJ name do you want to have? Ooh. Um, okay. I'll, I'll have to brainstorm a little bit, but I think that's super duper fun because it's using a space of our brain that we don't typically use. So I am all about dreaming. I'm all about um, grit. 
and I love, oh, I don't know. What would be a good dream? Well, you said, you said dreaming, so you could be like Denise the Dreamer. It could be D-Dreaming, first initial on that. You know, grit is also a good one. So, you know, we could do a play on words on that, but that's how we do it if you have a favorite awesome. like, movie character. So, you know, D-Dreaming is kind of cool, actually. I kind of like that one as we're talking. Dreamy or dreaming? Dreaming, like D-Dreaming. Like Denise okay. is dreaming, DJ but just your first dreaming. I got, yes. I, like, I'm, I could own that. I could have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> yes, you could. Let's get that domain name once we get off the phone. <laughs> yeah. So then we, so we have your DJ name. Okay. And so that's just the thing, just what we just went through, how you just described how you like dreaming, you know, grit and everything. And so that people are learning about you right away. So we go through the whole process with everyone in the room and people are like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's funny. We help. We do that. So you can see already we're, we're kind of, taking down the barriers, then we're going to say, okay, if we had turntables, we go through the turntables and we kind of do a couple scratches and everything first, because people are very scared to touch the turntables. So we're going to do a quick exercise on how to get through fear really quickly. You just kind of get to it, scratch, do that. So you get through the fear there. Then we say, okay, if you're based in say Michigan, we're going to fly you to Vegas. You're going to make your debut in Vegas. And when you start, we're going to be like, okay, coming to the stage now is DJ D dreaming. And what is your debut song? What's the song you're going to play that people are going to be like, oh, you know, let people know about you. Very similar song would be if you're at a baseball game. I don't know if you're a Tigers fan and they, they, you come out into Comerica Field and they announce you coming up to bat. What would the song be that's playing would also kind of be your debut song in the club. So what songs come to mind for you? That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I just listened to this this morning because I'm planning my first like full blown live event. And I was listening to the Spotify playlist that we're going to play at the event. And the song that just came to mind when you mentioned that, which could fit is this girl is on fire. Oh yeah. Alicia Keys. Good That's choice. Right. There you go. So we'll, you know, you drop that song. We might even play a club remix so people can dance to it as it's going along. And so there you have it. So just the fact that, you know, oh, you know, people know she could be Alicia Keys fan. You know, you like that song. So we go through the whole thing. We'd also ask you if you had to pick any like genre, what genre would you know, be known for playing? For me, it'd be like old school funk, R&B, hip hop. That's kind of my sweet spot. What genre of music do you think you want to be known for as a DJ? Ooh, known for. I mean, I do have a soft spot in my heart for 90s. Okay, there you go. So early 90s, 2000s, so. right? <laughs> 90, early 2000s, we have like No Doubt. We have like, you know, SWV, yeah. all the groups in there. So we, Ace we can do Bay, that. Spice Girls, you know. Oh, okay. Wannabe. Perfect. Okay, so we'll, we'll go for that. So that's, but see, just by us sharing, you can just imagine if it's 10, 50, 100 people sharing these things together, just how much people are learning about each other and that. And then some other activities we do at the end, like we do a, a play on the Beach Shazam game. We do a little lip sync battle, but it's all, and we do routines. We split into teams and do routines based on the turntable. So this is an activity that could take from 60 minutes to 120 minutes, but you could just see right now how much fun it would be and how interactive, how much, you know, it's just, it's just cool. Yeah. So that's, kind of, that's kind of the activity. We call it wheels of steel by the Amani experience, but that's how we're taking DJing back to corporate America. Yeah. I love that you're able to kind of mesh both worlds and bring the creative side back into corporate America, because I immediately, as soon as you started asking me those questions, my like emotions lifted, you know, and I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> but it was exactly. really fun to start brainstorming. So I can imagine in a group setting, it just brings laughter back, 
right? Yeah. It, it uses a side of our brain we typically aren't using when we're in grind goal focused mode and it lightens the mood. And then like you mentioned, it builds those connections, which exactly. increase real relationships. And when you really trust and like the people you work with, I mean, it makes workflow much faster, easier, and more fun. Yeah, you can accomplish anything as a team. And, you know, it's just, it can be done in the corporate environment, conferences, retreats, any kind of activity where you're bringing groups of people together. It's really, really effective there. And the, the results are just amazing. People love it. They want to do it again. And so I'm just excited to spread the word. Yeah, that's really special. And you mentioned not only is it important for us to bring creativity back into corporate America, but it's also important for us in general to be more creative. And I know I am guilty of this because I am like a type A goal setter, get it done, check it off my list. But when I listen to music or when I'm in that brainstorming mode or when I'm there's so much more open to me. So how can we be more creative in our daily and professional lives? I think that for us to be more creative in our daily professional lives, we have to look for different opportunities that will allow us to be creative. So for example, if you're in a corporate environment and you have to do a project, well, how can you use your creativity to enhance the project? Whether it be, you know, you want to use some music during the presentation or you want to maybe add different colors or artwork to your presentation. Even if you're sending an email within your corporate job, how can you make your emails more creative, whether it be the colors, your signature, like that at home? You know, if you have to cook, how can you be creative, try new recipes, new ingredients, things like that. If you've always thought about maybe learning a new skill, learning a new creative skill, whether it be playing an instrument, you know, you had a curiosity about writing a song, being a songwriter, you know, writing a book, things like that. Just trying to tap into that creative side, either at work with little things you can do or learning more creative skills, which would then enhance your overall creativity and just help you be more effective. I also think just reading in general, reading is just a really great way to kind of grow your curiosity. There are tons of books out there. One of my favorites that I just went through this whole process is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And so that gives you 12 chapters, 12 weeks. You go through different activities that help kind of unleash your creativity by going back to when you were a child. And if you remember, when we were a child, that's when we were the most creative because we could we, we thought anything was possible. So we'd ask any question. We'd do anything in school with arts and crafts, music. But as you get older, we're told no more, which is just general. And so you kind of shut down that part of your brain and your essence shuts down. Well, the Julia Cameron, the artist way kind of helps you to try to unlock that. Go back to when you were a kid. Like for me, when I was a kid, I loved video games. But as you get older, people are like, well, you're too old to play video games. That's crazy. But actually, no, you can't play video games. It'll help you be more creative. There's music in it. It just helps you unwind. So that book, I highly recommend reading in general. Um, I mean, I could talk about books for days, but I think those are some activities to really kind of help you build more creativity into your personal and professional lives. Yeah, it sounds like a get out of the rut, right? <laughs> if, we, if we make the same dinner every single day for years and years, that's called a rut. <laughs> and we yes. want to start thinking outside of that, start thinking of what other things you can do. And even if it's your normal everyday routine, you can spice it up a little bit and that gets some more creative juices flowing. 
Exactly. Now, I have to mention, music <laughs> is something that can get us out of a funk or get us out of a rut, especially if we're in an emotional down or frustrated or had a hard day or whatever. And I heard of a study where these old men went to a room that was decorated like it was the 50s and they were playing 50s music and in this room these gentlemen stayed there for like a week they did vital signs before and then after the week and after a week of being surrounded by these you know the visuals that made them feel back in their youth but also the music that reminded them of these youthful memories, their vital signs went down. You know, they had, they were healthier at the end of the week because of the music they were listening to. And I thought that is just so interesting and something that we don't, that we sometimes take for granted. We do take for granted. And what you actually described is a strategy and kind of technique that I use when I'm DJing. So say, for example, if you were to come see me DJ, I always try to build in songs into my sets that remind people of their youth. Of course, we'll play the common songs that are out right now, but I'll also mix in, like, you're a big fan of the 90s, so I might mix in, like, some Christina Aguilera, some Britney Spears, some 112, you know, even, like, some Oasis, you know, just different kind of Red Hot Chili Peppers, different songs different groups that remind you of your youth because that automatically is something about our youth. We were just happier, just more carefree. And so if you add certain songs into the sets, people just, they just, there's happier. They have a better time. Now, of course, I'm going to sneak in some new songs as well, but we'll go back and forth. So you have the current and you have the past. And that's a very effective strategy for me when I'm DJing. So that's interesting that you mentioned that. Thank yeah, you. it's <laughs> I think when we're in you know high school, early college, in those younger years, I memorized so many songs, right? Mm-hmm. And And now it's reading books and listening to podcasts, and it's less about using the creativity side. So when I listen to my 90s playlist, which I plan to use some of these 90s songs in my live event on purpose, too. <laughs> yes, I, like it. I, I know all the words. I haven't heard it for years. But all, I can imagine people, especially when they hear those songs on your dance floor, they, their eyes just light up and they're like, yeah, I know that yeah. one. <laughs> the, best, the best feeling in the world, which is one of the reasons why I DJ, is if I'm playing a song and it gets to one of the most important parts of the song, and I'll cut the volume, but people are still singing along, that gives me chills every time, and I love it. So definitely, like the music, that music's a universal language, and that just really transcends it, and so I love it. Super cool, <laughs> super cool. All right, so you um, have your own podcast, The Amani Experience. Tell us a little bit about what you do now. You do corporate, you do weddings, private events. What all do you do? <laughs> yeah, so I have my DJ company, The Amani Experience. We do corporate events, social events. We teach people how to DJ in um, individual lessons, group lessons, and then we have our team building uh, activity as well. And so we also produce music, whether it be remixes, whether it be original music for your commercials or videos. So we we do all that. And then I'm also an adjunct professor, part-time professor at Cal State Fullerton. So there I have a, two classes and we teach entertainment money management. And so that kind of is a quick summary about what I do. I know what I do is a lot, but that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. And um, it's cool. <laughs> if you were to look back at 2007, when you first got the inkling to like, all right, I think I need to take a step. Would you have ever imagined you're doing all that you're doing now? No, never. Not in like it's it's crazy just to see how 
much I have grown, how much I'm able to do, the peers that I have that I'm working with, I would have never imagined it would have been this fruitful, this beneficial. Uh, It's also been very difficult, you know, but just, uh, it's just crazy when you look back. And, you know, 10 or 11 years, it's not that long. I mean, it's a long time. It's like a decade, but still, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, maybe a fourth of my life, I have completely reinvented myself. I have a completely new career and, you know, just the prospects for the future are just so bright and just, there's so much more to do. Like I'm trying to write a book as well. So I'm going to do that. That is just, it's amazing. And I would have never have imagined it. And that's one of the things I've learned specifically in the last two or three years is to, to think big, because if you think small, then you're trying, you only go after small things. But if you think big, then sky's the limit. And I would have never imagined that all this could be possible. And there's more to do, but it's definitely crazy when you look back like that. Yeah, absolutely. Think big, think big. Like, so you and you started, you know, in 2007, uh, you now not only are DJing, but you have a production company and you have produced remixes. Tell me what it's like to connect with artists such as Little Big Town. I love producing remixes. And so that's so fun because it allows us to have unique songs in our sets. And so when we started doing remixes, you have to start, you kind of do it kind of underground where you take the artist's song and then, you know, you kind of do the remix and you send it out and maybe they like it, maybe they don't. And so that's kind of where we started is, is like with like Little Big Town. I took Girl Crush and made a remix and it, it did pretty well and you sent it to them. So some of them are, are like kind of underground remixes. And then as you get better, you can actually get the artists to send you their songs and then they want you to kind of do remixes for you. So we have a couple examples like from Hood Boy that we released recently. Claude J is another kind of gospel house artist that, you know, hired us to do a remix. So to go from creating underground remixes and then to have the fact that artists are now hitting us up to do remixes is amazing. And so we also enter into remix contests where artists will upload their songs to certain services and you can download all the stems. When I say stems, I mean the different parts of the song, whether it be the drums, the bass, the guitar, and you can kind of adjust them and play that. That's so you enter into competitions with people all over the world. And so we have a remix EP that's going to come out in January for, from our latest 11 remixes. And now we're just trying to continue to find different artists that want us to work with them. And the process has been crazy, but it's very rewarding. I love it. It's very challenging. And there's some talented people out there. So it's a ton of fun. And it's it's great because it allows my sets to be unique and I can have different songs. And people come up to me like, I recognize that song, but not that version. I say, aha, yes, it's different. It's a remix. I can send it to you if you like. So yeah, so I love it. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Is there anything you've learned from working with artists? One of the things that I learned And it really was kind of emphasized and it really hit home when I went to the ASCAP conference in Hollywood last year or this year, actually. And ASCAP is, I think it's the American Society of Composers and Performers, I believe. So it's all tons of musicians there. I mean, people, you would know, like Megan Trainor was a guest speaker for like a group of 40 of us there. Neo was there. There, You know, it was just crazy. There were so many people there that were within close proximity and teamwork, like Like one of my favorite sayings is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that was really emphasized at this conference because if you look at songs that are popular now, they have five or six people that have worked on the songwriting. They have four and five people that have worked on it as a producer. So you can't do it all alone. And I had known that, and it was in, but in the back of my mind, 
it really came to the forefront once I went to this conference and saw how many people worked on all these successful songs. Like, you know, I thought, oh, well, just Megan Trainor just did this song. Or no, she had a team of people that helped her with the songwriting, with the producing. And so that's probably one of the most valuable lessons I've learned with the music production kind of space is that you definitely have to work with a ton of people. And it's better that way because you get different perspectives and it's just teamwork is, is kind of teamwork makes the dream work, as they say. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So the music industry has changed with radio changing and streaming now being kind of the thing. How has the shift in our culture impacted the music industry? It has made it so that, you know, it's more challenging for artists to get paid because, you know, streaming services, they don't make a lot of money off like the Spotify streaming. Um, if you have a decent YouTube channel, you can make some money. But it's like an on-demand kind of economy now where you just you really release music you're not going to get a lot of money from like album sales unless you're like a mega star you just have to release content release music so you can stay top of mind then go on tour that's where you can make some money then have merchandise and really it's just you know it's like a, a numbers game whereas before you know in like say the 80s 90s 2000s you could release an album that album would would do well for a year a year and a half maybe two years Nowadays, you release an album and say it's December now, by February, people are like, what's next? What are you doing next? So it's like you got to release the album with videos for almost every track. And then and you release it all at once. Like if you remember Beyonce's last album, she released it. First of all, music used to be released on a Tuesday. Now it's any day of the week. So I think she released like on a Thursday night or a Friday night. She released an entire video series for each song on the album. So it's like she gives you all this content and then you digest it for her a month, two months. But now people are like, okay, where are you at? What's going on? So it's, it's definitely the, the time window is shorter and it's a volume game and it's just, it's just different. So you really have to just kind of be creative. You have to continue to produce content. You have to partner with other people. You have to do music for video games, commercials, TV shows, streaming shows, web series. Like there's many more opportunities to get music in, but you have to really be very active and very aggressive too. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, even the the book industry is changing. Movies are industry. I mean, cable is kind of going out of business. So there's a lot of things shifting right now. It's yeah. really, really interesting. Uh, one last question is: You mentioned that you could talk about books for days, and I see on the shelf behind you some Tim Ferriss <laughs> books. Who he's one of my yes. favorites too. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about some of your favorite personal development, leadership, business books, like. What do you love to read? And then what are you reading now? All right. All right. I love books. So last year, I think I read over 50 books. This year, I'm on track for over 40. So that's a good pace. Um, the first book that comes to mind, so Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, especially for creative people. Like I recommend buying the book, but also getting it on Audible because Elizabeth, um, she narrates it and she's just got a great way of talking about the story and everything. And it's amazing. So I listen to that one um, frequently. I think you mentioned Tim Ferriss, so both his book, um, Tools of the Titans and Tribe of Mentors, very, very good as well. You also mentioned um, The Word Grit, and I like the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. Hers is phenomenal. That's just, you know, many times it's not about talent, but just how hard you work and how resilient you are. I mentioned Julia Cameron. I just read that book for the first time this year, and it's going to definitely be in like my top five of all time, The Artist's Way. So that's a good one as well. I'm trying to think. Those are the four right there. I just read a book in terms of kind of how to manage your finances. I just finished it called Profit First by Mike McCowitz, which is a really good way 
and, and, and entrepreneurs, we forget to pay ourselves sometimes. And he's talking about paying yourself first. So, you, you know, you, you set aside money for your profit first. So that's another good one as well. Um, what am I reading right now? I just also finished the autobiography of Marvin Gaye. So that's a good one also that I enjoyed. And I'm trying to think what I'm going to pick up next. I have to, you know, I got a couple more weeks to go, so I got to figure out something. But that's a good summary right now. I really love Elizabeth Gilbert and um, and then Julia Cameron. Those are top ones as well. So, yeah, yeah I think, think I've given you a good I list. I wrote there. all of them down. Awesome. <laughs> do you typically read or do you do Audible? So I will read usually fiction. I'll read in person. Audible, I'll do for like the personal development books. And then sometimes I will, I'll do that. And if it's a really good person, like for the Tim Ferriss ones, I have to get that book. I have to read that book. I can't do that one on Audible. But the other ones like Big Magic, Julia Cameron, I bought that book. So I go back and forth. But fiction, I'll read. Also fiction books that I like. I forgot to mention the fiction. Like Shantaram is a really great story. It's a thousand pages long about a guy who escapes a maximum security prison in Australia. And he goes to live in the slums of Mumbai and then meets the slum lord and becomes a doctor there that's a fascinating story that's one of my favorites as well so that one also harry potter harry potter is good too so don't forget about harry potter so yeah i mean i could go on for days but that gives you a good synopsis right there <laughs> uh, well i love that you mentioned fiction when we're talking about creativity right because i think again i think seriously the last fiction book i read that i remember no i did read one on vacation this year because i thought i need to use this part of my brain but i remember reading the hunger games Years and years ago. But yeah. other than that, we can, I can be so focused on the personal development leadership stuff that I forget to use that side. So yes, fiction can be just as important as the rest. I agree. Fiction is great. Another one is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. That's by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And that's a really good fiction book that came out earlier this year. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. You guys will have a list of these in the show notes below. Um, as you as you stay growing and you stay dreaming and you stay focused on your next goal and excited about it, is there anything you do every day that you couldn't live without? There are two things that I do every day. Uh, one is like a newer habit that I'll do morning pages, which I learned about in um, The Artist's Way, which takes it's like journaling so you wake up you spend about 15 to 20 to 25 minutes journaling really downloading what was in your brain for the night before and just kind of doing morning pages so i do that pretty frequently now that's a newer one and also i'll practice my piano for 30 to 45 minutes every morning it's kind of my form of meditation because i struggle to really sit still and do the meditation but just practicing my piano helps to kind of calm my nerves sets my intention for the day the right way and i get it done early in the day and it just kind of helps to soothe me so those are two things that I do that are pretty much daily habits that really kind of help me start off the day strong. And I try not to check my email or my phone until after I do the journal and the piano lessons, if possible. Smart, smart. I've heard that that's one of the habits we can get into is immediately checking our phone and then going, oh, stress. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I try to do that, you know, all things considered. So what is your podcast, The Amani Experience, about? The Imani Experience Podcast, I interview people who used to work in corporate America, but have left to do something more creative. So it could be some people who have been high profile lawyers that are now photographers, people who used to work in retail that are now yoga instructors, you know, other fellow DJs who maybe used to work as an executive in a company, spoken word poets, past week I interviewed an actress. So it's just different people who are doing different things in the creative space that used to work 
in corporate America. And it also, it could be people who have just left as well. Like sometimes I interview people who are maybe one week or one month into their new career. So it's really cool to hear their perspective compared to someone who um, has been in it for like a year, two years, 10 years. So that's, that's what the podcast is about. It's on all the Veer podcast platforms and, you know, check it out. I'm going to start a Patreon soon to kind of help do that. You'll notice that for the podcast, they're really cool little cartoons we have of each person, each guest. So that's something that differentiates us. And I just love to sit down and talk with people because I find, as you can definitely relate to, it's like you're, you're attending a master class with an expert in their industry and you can learn so much from people that it's just, it's amazing. So I love it. Yeah, that's really cool. So guys, check out the Amani Experience and AmaniExperience.com. All of those things will be in the description box below. And anything that you, if there's somebody listening who is excited and ready to step out and try something maybe a bit more creative or a bit more quote unquote risky or something outside their comfort zone, but yet they're still holding back a little bit and they're still a little bit fearful, what would you say to them? I tell them to go for it. Find yourself a tribe of like-minded people who you can have some support with as you go through the ups and downs. So you want them to celebrate, you know, when you have some successes, but also be able to pick you up when you have some down moments as well. I think if you get that in place and you go for it, I think you, you will have no regrets. So you'll try it out, see if it works. You can take a right turn if you need to. You'll also find out that, you know, in the creative space, it's never a straight line. There's this little graphic that goes around where, you know, the creative, what we perception is that it's just well, like a hockey stick up. But really, you know, you go up, you go down, you go back, this forward. So as long as you understand that, and I really think it's important to have a strong group of people around you, and just go for it. You know, there's, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So let's see what we can accomplish today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was great connecting with you and your your wisdom. You can tell that you are a reader and a learner and a, a grower. So I just appreciate our conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. D dreaming. DJ D dreaming. DJ I appreciate D-Dreaming. it. D dreaming. Yeah. Love yeah. It. I got thank a new tagline. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.